delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV, taking a bite out of technology. Welcome to episode 481 of the Two Techies for Saturday, September 20th, 2019. This is the week's most notable tech stories in around an hour or less in podcast form. In audio, because we look better in audio than we do in video. On this week's episode, the price others pay for technology, the technology we use. Smart TVs they're still overly inquisitive borderline nosy and amazon's plan to monopolize your life sounds a very tinfoil hat society type thing amazon wanted to monopolize your life but there's a theory there there's a there's a a reasonable explanation i'm not saying they want to actually do that but they want to be the centre of your universe. The, the one place you think of to go for absolutely everything and anything you need or want to do or use or consume, it's all going to be Amazon. That's what they want. That's what every company wants, obviously, because that's where you're then pushing your money to. Is it possible? Would it work? Would it be convenient or would it just be downright wrong? We'll talk about it later on in the show. After a, an interesting week from Apple's event last week, it's been a bit of a lull from the companies. They don't dare touch anything until that happens and that sort of fizzles down for a while. And I think the whole news of Apple and their pre-orders of the iPhone, what you said last week, Aaron, not exactly as popular as previously. I remember when we were buying ours at the time as what the iPhone 7 Plus when it came out. I remember having to try and try and try and try and try again to order. I'm nearly sure you can just go online and pre-order an iPhone now if you want. I would I'm say... I'm nearly sure that ran into October. I mean, you're right. It was definitely a case of if you didn't order in five minutes, you were looking at a few days, if not a few weeks, lead time yeah. at that point. But it may not necessarily be an indication of lack of popularity. We no, have it to, could be the other. They we, we, have, better. we have to bear in mind that Apple now offer the upgrade program, which has certain stipulations and um, imagine upgrade timeframes. And I know a lot of people are on that type of thing now. Um, I think more people are generally pretty patient to wait for the reviews. However, obviously Friday was, it's been a confusing week in the Apple land. I, I appreciate none of our, only one of our stories about Apple, not technically the event, but you know, we have to somehow shoehorn Apple <laughs> in at every opportunity. Obviously this week was iPhone launch day and it was meant to be, or should have always been, iOS 13 launch week. And it was Thursday saw the release of iOS 13.0 on the iPhone. This is where it gets confusing. This is the first... I don't ever remember this happening before. iOS 13.0 came out on Friday... Uh, on Thursday, sorry. And we always knew... I think September 30th was the date that 13.1 was going to come out. Well, Apple have brought that forward and it's now the 24th that iOS 13.1 will drop or is supposed to drop. That's five days from the launch date. So immediately, iOS 13 is going to to be followed up by iOS 13.1. The iPad will not get iOS 13 until
until 13.1. But there's no, or as far as I'm aware, there is no iOS 13 until next week for the iPad, and it will move straight to 13.1. WatchOS 6 is out. I believe that's trouble-free. Mm. Um, TVOS, I think, is a similar story. That's not coming out until 13.1 as well. And then Catalina for the Mac is next month entirely, although that's fairly usual. They, they tend to separate iOS and Mac uh, most years. But it's really odd to see Apple launch a big major 0.0 release of an OS and then five days later we know uh, the dot one release is coming. I appreciate Apple probably would have wanted to launch with dot one, but due to the iPhones launching yesterday, Friday, they had to launch with something, which I imagine is yeah. why only the iPhone has got it, not the iPad. But yeah, it's been a it's been a weird week. And one thing I kind of would like to take back slightly from last week's show, and we were I think we we were joining the crowd a bit in 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 bashing the Apple event slightly and saying, oh, the iPhones don't look that good and oh, there wasn't much of an improvement. I've been watching a lot of the reviews this week and especially a lot of the camera reviews and consider me impressed. Um, I'm actually really impressed with what Apple have got on offer this year. I think on the surface, the 11 doesn't look that interesting, um, which I think is the takeaway we, we, we took last week and I still yeah. think most of what we're saying is very valid. But looking at the reviews, we're hearing people say that um, Apple have made the phone thicker and heavier because of the bigger battery in it, which is something we've been calling them to do for years now, and it's kind of like flew under the radar almost. Mm. Um, the cameras are just... I Night mode is so impressive. Um, watching a couple of videos where people have been doing it side by side with the Pixel, and they are both absolutely fantastic, and it is mesmerizing what a... Basically, a, you know, like six, eight mil thick, ten mil thick, let's call it, phone, with a tiny little lens in it, can do now. I'm still blown away every year when the camera gets so much better. Um, I think the iPhone very much has become the standard, which is the first time in a while I remember saying this. The iPhone's kind of been playing catch-up a bit with cameras for a few years now, as opposed to, there. You, you remember the time, the iPhone camera was very much the standard. Um, whereas over the past few years, it kind of felt like it waned slightly. But now, I mean, we've still got the Pixel 4, obviously, to come up in the next uh, in the next uh, few weeks or few months. So it'll be interesting to see what Google do with that. But for now, man, the iPhone 11 camera and the 11, the 11 Pro and 11 camera is super impressive. I've been seeing everyone's ultra wide shots and it's just, oh, it looks so good. I yeah. uh, hasn't made me want to go out and get one just purely because it's still 800 pounds minimum, which is which is still, uh, still a little crazy. But um, yeah, I, I, I do take back some of what I said last week. Just um, a, f- a few things from me here. So first off, got the date wrong at the start of the show. I've just noticed it's the 21st. Apologies. Um, you're saying about iOS 13. 13.0 released yesterday, correct? Thursday, yeah. Sorry, Thursday. Again, can't, can't deal with dates. Um, so 13.0. But some reason, my phone did set needed to update, but yet I'm on 13.1. There was a... Uh, there's a 13, 13.1 public beta 4 came out right. Wednesday, I think, which is slightly concerning because... Tuesday is supposed to be launch date. Um, and I believe it should just change over to thirteen though, should it not? No, no. If you're on the thirteen if you are if you have a beta profile, developer or public, you will stay on the beta track. Um you will not uh, it will not put you onto the production release. Bearing in mind one of the betas you've got has been the production.
production release for 13.0 and well i imagine has been and 13.1 public beta 4 is likely the final release uh unless we get one over the weekend which i highly doubt so i imagine if you update to public beta 4 that is 13.1 that everyone else will get on tuesday um you can remove the profile at any time um sometimes weird things happen but it should just put you onto the production track i think it has to be so if you're on the 13.1 beta and you take the profile off i believe you won't see any update until 13.1 comes out and i don't i think because public beta 4 might be the final release it might not think there's an update i'm not quite sure how that works but if you leave the profile on i believe 13.2 and we're seeing reports at 13.2.1 or either 13.1.2 or 13.2.1 is kicking around as well as 13.2 so they're coming up i imagine once 13.1 drops next week the beta will very quickly switch to 13.2 they are rattling these updates out bearing in mind ios 12 has only just gone to point four i believe um which shows probably how stable ios 12 was that it only they got very few normally we end up at point six point seven by the end of a cycle um but i believe 12 is i think point four is a very new thing as well to bring in some of the new uh, changes but uh yeah we've gone from a particularly stable version to ios 13 is ridiculously or was ridiculously bug riddled anyone unless you have unless you're getting a new iphone where you don't have a choice i would recommend just waiting until next week you've only got to wait what three more days um 13.1 is considerably better than 13 um 13 was a bit of a disaster hence the uh five day turnaround yeah well we'll see apple have done things differently this time around i think a little bit of that was because of unexpected turbulence shall we call it you know a little bit of this and a little bit of that um maybe some exclusions from what they were wanting to include a few timeline errors things like that i mean i mean that you just you hit the nail on the head there the uh 13 drops 13.0 doesn't have a lot of the big features they actually touted for it and they all come back in 13.1 um so you'll notice if you were following the uh, advertisement for 13.0 and you update to it you'll notice a few things i can't quite remember what they are off the top of my head but a few of the big hitters aren't there and they should be back with everyone come tuesday i get the impression reading a lot of uh, what a lot of developers have been saying ios 13 has been a mess behind the scenes like i think every Everything has been on fire um, from the developer point of view. I think because me and you obviously sit very much on the other side of that. Um, I think whilst it's been a, a bit buggy and we've been noticing, you know, some weird things here or there, generally been okay. So I think that's where a lot of the, I guess, Joe Public's confusion is coming from because it hasn't looked so bad. But it sounds like if you're a developer, it's been very much a horrible mess behind the scenes. Um, so yeah, this is it's very unapple like, but hey ho, this is software. This stuff happens all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, further to that, I don't really think I've very much before. There was something now, but it slipped the mind. Mustn't have been that important. Um, the only one thing with the iPhone, sorry, just to, to round off that. Have you noticed their marketing and their extensive push on from 700 plus or whatever the price is? And then obviously there's the two asterisks or whatever, you know, one or two. And then at the bottom it says, with trading. That's how you know that they're ashamed of that price. Not ashamed, but they know it's hard to market. You know, from 1,000 pounds. Nope, that's not what they want to say. I noticed that. I think they kind of started that. I can't remember if it's the 10 or if it started with the 10s. I mean, they're, they're, they've had trading for a little while. It's nothing new, but you... you 
you make of their point. Even if you go on the Apple website, you go to buy the first price you see. You know, you know the way Apple do that little kind of trickle down selector as you configure the color, the size, um, and it shows you the price along the way. Well, the very first price I believe you see is the with trade in price. Um, and I don't know if that price that I assume I don't know. I assume that price will actually change depending on the device you're trading in. So that from I don't actually know how likely you are to achieve that. Maybe if you trade in a 10s or something. Um, but I assume that price yeah. gap decreases. Yeah, the I think they're offering me 100, offering 170 for the seven plus 128 yeah. gig, which is the same price they offer for the iPhone 8, I believe. I thought it was odd. Um, Apple just have a very linear price scale the problem is for 100 something quid you'll get double triple quadruple that on ebay for it so not really a hard uh, <laughs> a hard choice i i'm i'm one for i've always kept my phones so uh resale value is a little pointless to me but uh yeah you can easily do way better than apple are you just waiting for the price to appreciate um you could say that you some would call me also lazy and i yeah uh, i'm gonna go with order <laughs> if you look at the you, you obviously can't see it well i mean you've seen it you remember yeah. the wall behind me that just has iphones and ipods and apple tvs and like everything mm. uh everything out there i like to add to that collection and the iphone 7 will eventually be going with that collection i like to think my original iphone might be appreciating your value although i highly doubt it the long-term investment that's what i remember to say um just before the quick news will from alpha it's is it as big as a deal as i think will from alpha is i mean it's, it's well known right yeah will from alpha massive will from alpha yeah. powers the uh i don't know what you call it the numbers stuff behind siri and whatnot yeah well um from september 13th through to the 16th the public will from alpha cloud experienced a brute force attack from various locations in the u.s despite the security system preventing a large-scale breach a small percentage of users accounts both active and inactive were compromised uh, they believe they've abilities were caused by the attacker guessing users passwords and or making use of recycled credentials then requesting a new password no personal information or account information appears to have been exposed but um those affected have been asked to change their passwords this is why you should use the password manager kids yeah so i guess this whole recycled password is the passwords that have been found through other leaks then feeding whatever attack happened here in a way is what they're saying one of the biggest recommendations i can always make for people is if you're going to reuse passwords you absolutely should not under any circumstance do because of stuff like this please at the very least make sure your email is not one of those recycled passwords because if it is it makes using reset for hackers really easy because they have access to your email whereas if at least your email is different resetting passwords obviously becomes immensely more difficult um if a hacker gains access to your email it's pretty much game over um so i generally try and teach teach is the wrong word tell people that email outwards should be like you should start with email as being your most secure make it something that you probably can't remember you know make it a really long complicated password and then work outwards everything should be a really long impossible to remember password or you can use the there's several password techniques there's the pick two rhyming words and then put just a completely random word in the middle um, which tends to work quite well Harvard dictionaries to guess that kind of uh, dictionary attacks to guess that kind of thing put numbers capitals asterisks you know all the kinds of symbols or just get you know dash lane one password last pass 
uh, there's millions of them now. Um, in the app store, you can't throw a ball or you can't throw a pebble very far without hitting either a weather app or a uh, password manager app, which is no bad thing on either count. No. I, on that note, sorry to keep putting off the quick news further and further. I massively apologize. Another thing that launched this week was Apple Arcade. Um, didn't think I'd have any interest in this. You, I assume you can see where this is going, right? Yeah, I see where it's going. Yeah. So it launched, for the public, it launched Thursday with iOS 13. But if you're on the beta, I think it popped up like Monday or Tuesday. Um, there's a one month free trial with it. There on after, you automatically get charged, I think it's £4.99 or dollars, I believe, a month. Um, so we signed up to the free trial as a family. Everyone automatically on our iCloud family bank gets included. And oh my God, there are some good games in there. Um, there's an amazing one. It just, I, not a time, kind of a time waster, but it's just a lot of fun to play called What the Golf. And its tagline is perfect. It's golf for people who hate golf. It is a very simple game. It is very easy. Well, some, some are a little more difficult. It's just a whole bunch of little challenges. But you, it's one of those like flick golf games where, you know, you, you pull back on the ball. But sometimes it's the ball. Sometimes it's a house. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's the club itself. Sometimes it's a hundred balls. Like, it's just lots of little fun scenarios and whatnot. And as I was playing it, as I am playing it, um, one thing popped into my head. We've become so accustomed on Google or Apple app stores as of recent years to be very cynical when we download, I use free, because I appreciate this isn't quite free, games. We're like, oh, when's it going to ask for money? When's it going to want an in-app purchase? When are the adverts going to appear? I mean, I, as far as I'm aware, Apple Arcade games have none of that. They they don't have in-app purchases. They they don't have adverts. They don't have anything. It's very surreal in like a good slash creepy slash bad way that you spend the entire time going, there's no adverts. It's not asking me for money. What's going on? This is amazing. Like it's very much back to the old days of the App Store, the, the golden ages. Uh, we all like to roast into spectacles it slightly. And it's just, I love it for that reason. For four ninety nine a month, you can get pretty much ad-free, in-app purchase-free, everything. You know, it's just about the game. It's about developers making the best game possible, which I just love. I also paired my, I think it's Sayonara Wild Hearts or Sayonara Hearts, something like that. Good on my iPad and... You can just Bluetooth pair my uh, PlayStation 4 controller to it, and it just works perfectly, which just, which I think is a new thing for iOS 13, um, which is just so cool. So yeah, Apple Arcade is... Uh, I definitely recommend people check out the trial at the very least. And it's what, $4.99 a month after that? Yeah, which is, to me, a steal. Bear in mind that $4.99 a month is for six, up to six family members as well. So if you have a family, you have kids, you can get the subscription, and then automatically your kids have access or your, you know, spouse whatever has access to it as well um which seems like a just a steal to be honest um there's hundreds of games on there at the moment apple were obviously saying they're gonna add more and more um the quality of the game seems excellent they are uh, they are definitely well more arcade like games true no i mean hence the name <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah of course of course of course what i mean is is that this isn't going to actually affect mainstream game developers within the ios app store um no but one thing i would say is there's a lot 
lot of developers that have clearly come over from that side of things. Like, there's some big name developers that have made their way over here um, to Apple Arcade, and it'd be interesting to know what they're getting from it. Exactly. I was just about to say, I'd love to know if I have if I pay my five pounds a month and I download their app, do they get a cut of that? If I download ten apps, does my five pound get distributed? You know, between ten people, how does it work? You know, or is it automatically Apple paying them for being a part of this? Because when this stuff launches, wouldn't surprise me if Apple are uh, making it worth developers' time. Um, maybe for the for the first, but maybe reducing the thirty percent cut or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'd be interested to know how, how that's working. Obviously, it's a bit more clear cut when TV Plus launches. That's a similar pricing structure, but obviously that's all Apple content. So uh, yeah, I'd quite like to know how the pricing structure works, especially for that cheap. It kind of feels like we might see a bit of a uh, Spotify or, or music streaming, you know, kickback from artists that we've seen in, in previous years where they complain they don't get paid enough. Rightfully so. I mean, it's not like Apple to steal an idea, take it, and then just completely eradicate the need for a developer's offering. Ah, well, exactly. That would never happen. It's not like they have a whole term developed around that idea called Sherlocking. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, what, what you could say in this instance is it's not just Apple. Other companies are doing similar things, which is unfortunate, but it's the realistic approach or the realistic view at this point. You know, they're trying to make people want to get to their products by marketing more to them for their money, more for their money, more bang for your dollar, really. But it's unfortunate that that does stagnate innovation a little bit, but it is the way it is. Right, without further ado, the quick news. A service which automatically cancels subscriptions at the end of the free trial period has launched in the UK. It was developed by Josh Browder, who, was a, who as a teenager sorry, developed an algorithm called Do Not Pay, which continues to successfully fight parking fines. His new app, Free Trial Surfing, is not linked to a customer's bank account or credit card, but Mr. Browder says it is in partnership with a major bank. However, he declined to say which bank this well, was supporting the venture. The idea for this product came when I realized that I was being charged for a $22 gym membership from over a year ago that I was never using. He said, in fact, I had completely forgotten that I had signed up for a free trial in the first place. Constantly trying to keep track of when free trial period ends is annoying and time consuming. He said over 10,000 people had signed up to the free trial surfing since it launched six weeks ago in the US, where Mr. Browder, who is from the UK, now lives. Amazon will be stepping up its efforts to reduce its climate impact. CEO Jeff Bezos has announced he says the company will be ordering 100,000 electric delivery trucks from Michigan's Rivian as part of this commitment. The e-commerce giant will seek to meet its goal of becoming carbon neutral by 2040, 10 years earlier than is outlined in the United Nations Paris Agreement. Bezos says at a national press club event in Washington where he made the announcement that the updated timeline is due to the increase in climate change which has been more aggressive than even some of the more serious predictions had anticipated five years ago when the Paris Agreement was reached. Amazon is offering a catalogue of over 50 million songs in what they call high definition, just songs with a CD quality bit depth of 16 bits and a 44.1 kilohertz sample rate. Then there are millions of songs in Ultra HD, meaning they have a 24-bit and sample rates that range from 44.1 kHz up to 192 kHz. All of these songs will be delivered in a lossless black file format, 
Amazon is hoping that being the first of the so-called big three streaming services, that's Apple Music, a- Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Spotify, sorry, to offer lossless streaming will win some converts. Tidal has always offered lossless streaming as one of its main selling points, but its price is $19.99 a month, which Amazon is now undercutting. And finally, dozens of complaints have been placed about screen flickers affecting the Amazon Echo Spot and Amazon's response. One owner in Hampshire said his device started to flicker 16 months ago after he bought it. He was told its one-year warranty had run out and offered a 15% discount off a new one rather than a refund or repair. Under EU law, consumers must be given a minimum two-year guarantee as a protection against faulty good or goods that don't look or work as advertised. A thread on Amazon's help form about the screen problem, which dates back to several months ago, has had nearly 20,000 views and there are many tweets about the issue too. A poster on the same topic on Reddit said it appeared to be a widespread problem. Quote, one-year warranty and I, like many, are right outside of it, another in the US said. I don't know if this trial service... Well, I mean, for me, it wouldn't be overly handy. I I don't sign up to trials very often, but I guess there are people who do and lose track of what they've signed up to, and all of a sudden you can have a lot of money coming out of your account very quickly, and that could probably be hard to track and sort. I mean, we were were literally just talking about a uh, trial-based system. Mm. But I mean, in terms of, I, I don't sign up for many trials as such. I know what you mean. I, um, I, no, I'm totally with you. I'm just saying we were just talking about Apple Arcade that has a one month trial and there's TV Plus, I believe, coming out. And, you know, there's lots of things that have free trials uh, nowadays that are launching. So I think a service like this is pretty great. I can't say I'm like you. I can't say I set and forget things like that um, purely because, again, like you, don't tend to find myself signing up too many things. A gym membership still seems like a weird thing. How do you not remember you signed yeah, up for that yeah. um, but sounds uh, more like an excuse as to why not to use it yeah. as opposed to yeah oh yeah it was totally a free trial that i forgot about <clears throat> yeah um hundred thousand delivery trucks that's going to be a slightly that, that yeah that's expensive but it's good to see that amazon are putting it as a high priority yeah um i think carbon neutral by 2040 is going to be pretty interesting as well um in reality not that far away they've got 20 or two decades to do that um there's a few uh timelines that are set uh to be 2040 obviously over here in the uk we've got the uh was it no petrol diesel i guess combustion engine cars or i guess vehicles but we'll assume cars for now uh, to be sold after that so uh i think you're gonna start to see more and more of this it's odd um i mean amazon clearly have the money to spend to do this type of thing but we're still very much talking about i mean the electric car is still considered to be in its its kind of mass production infancy and i can't say i've ever seen an electric van uh maybe they blend in so well but it it, it's it's odd to kind of go so gung-ho on uh splashing out a big order so soon i don't know how long that hundred thousand is over is that hundred thousand over five or ten years or is that they want a hundred thousand vans by next week on prime delivery please um it'd be interesting to see i imagine that's over a good few years because i don't imagine they 
can uh, produce that many. But yeah, it's it's cool to see. The one thing I would say, uh, on top of the many other things I would also say, um, obviously over here for, for deliveries, Amazon tend to, as far as I'm aware, outsource their delivery to contractors um, or by the hour contractors, whatever you call it, zero hour. Um, so I believe anyone can sign up to be an Amazon delivery driver, just like you sign up to become an Uber driver or a Lyft driver or whatever. Um, I know Amazon do have some of their own delivery people, and I know sometimes they do palm it off the proper couriers, but I don't know if that works differently in the US to over here, but I don't, I've seen Amazon trucks, like, moving between uh, Amazon warehouses. I can't say I've ever seen an Amazon delivery van, though, um, which I think would be a pretty cool concept. Yeah, I, I, I was just about to agree there. I don't think I've seen any, I mean, yeah, they, they deliver in white vans, and they deliver in, in private vehicles, but I've never seen an Amazon vehicle as such. I guess it just depends where where they're at. Maybe this is a more of a US thing right now. Well, it is. I mean, I, I was I was out washing my car, which I'll have you know I do, you know, at least once every few years. Um, the other day, we were actually having something delivered via Amazon, you know, as you do. Um, and the guy turned up in a, it was a hired van, so it was just something he'd hired for the day or for the week. And I see that all the time. You know, the name of random hire companies on the side of vans uh, to do the Amazon delivery in. So uh, not even their own vans. Mm. Amazon leading the quick news this week. Three stories. The next one was that they are offering lossless streaming tiers on their music for uh, $14.99 a month, $12.99 a month for Prime. So Tidal was the only service doing this for quite some time. There were other smaller companies, but Tidal was the mainstream. And it was endorsed by, help me here, Aaron. Jay-Z, I believe. That's it. And I remember we both tried it at one point. And there was, there was, if you listened very closely you could hear a slightly if you listened on half decent speakers there was a slight difference in richness and sound and depth and clarity and only for some track yeah um and to someone who really 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 loves their music and does care about that yeah probably worth it for those who just want to listen to their music and enjoy it nah not really it's um you're you're probably not going to notice bearing in mind probably like 75 percent of us that use streaming services probably throw the audio over crappy bluetooth or something yeah so something that you can take the highest quality you like it's still, <laughs> still getting transferred over terrible uh terrible formats so uh yeah yeah um either way it's good to see a bit of competition amazon undercutting title which means that title no longer have the monopoly on that price point which means we could see this becoming more commonplace it's certainly not something that's going to be common trend because obviously lossless audio to stream requires more bandwidth requires because it's a higher bit rate the songs are, are far bigger in size thus with mobile plans and so on it's just not really realistic right now could be in years to come though when 4k 8k become the common trend 5g when it's really around you know these technologies all sort of sync up with each other right now they're all a bit out of sync and then the amazon echo i'm actually really surprised to read how amazon have dealt with this because amazon are a company that you do not expect to get on like this they are always fantastic when it comes to service and yet their own product is clearly faulty from a manufacturing defect and they don't really want to know oh sorry you're outside of the warranty well number one you're not <laughs> but number two you would at least think Amazon would hold their hands up and say, oh, uh, th- this is our problem, not yours. We're sorry. Yeah, we'll replace it. I mean, so many people couldn't be wrong, could they? It is very odd. It is very un-Amazon-like. Um, it's odd. You're right. It's odd, for, especially for their own hardware. It feels like they'd be quite happy to, uh, to replace that. But, uh, you know, could be anything um, until I think we see this as a repeat 
problem. Probably not a whole lot to talk about. Um, maybe one off. Yeah, maybe a different support team managing it. You have no idea. So uh, yeah, if if this starts to become more of a thing, and if this starts to expand outside of Apple, uh, Amazon, Apple on the mind, uh, starts to expand outside of Amazon's own hardware, then that becomes quite concerning. Because I know we'll talk about Amazon again in a little bit. But um, Amazon, you're right. You very much pick to. Ch- you very much choose to pick shopping on Amazon nowadays. I think because of the great returns policy, the great support. Um, I'll very much. I could go and pick something up from the store now for the same price I could pick something up on Amazon, and more likely than not, I will choose to do it on Amazon because I know if I have any issues, if I need to return something, you know, they have a great they have a great set of policies on that. Yeah. Well, exactly, and that's why most people go to Amazon and pray, pay, or pray, pay the difference. Uh, uh, not that Amazon's normally more expensive, but yeah, if you have Prime and you can get the products, it's just so much more convenient. You normally get what you want, so it's a bit disappointing to see this. What is also disappointing is Apple aren't holding their hands up in entirety, and it's not just Apple, it's every technology company, because we've talked about it before, how the factories which manufacture the products and the workers in such factories aren't really being compensated correctly probably don't have proper working conditions established and in general are just being treated with an injustice and we as the consumer are funding that with our increased consumption, increased purchasing habits, increased usage habits, supporting the companies that are selling these products. And it's worth mentioning that these companies who sell the products are increasing the price year on year for such products. So why is it so difficult to properly compensate those who design, well, maybe not design, sorry, but manufacture the products. It blows my mind. Apple have responded to a report by a campaign group which criticised working conditions at a factory where iPhones are made. According to the report, Foxconn workers were not getting bonuses, were being made to do overtime, and too many temporary workers were being hired. Under Chinese law, only 10% of a workforce can be temporary. Apple admitted the number of temporary staff exceeded its standards, but denied the other claims. The campaign group, China Labour Watch, said its investigators spent time working in the factory in Shenzhou, and one person on the team had been there for more than four years, claimed that 50% of the staff in the factory were temporary, some of them students, and some were not receiving promised bonuses. Amazon said last month they would investigate after similar claims were made by China Labour Watch about the number of teenage interns working long hours to manufacture Echo devices, also in Foxconn factories. This is a company in a factory that had suicide nets outside a number of years ago. Doesn't sound like ideal working conditions to me, and I just don't understand. It really annoys me because I don't understand why companies, Amazon, Apple, Samsung, Huawei, HTC, the whole lot, every single last one of them, don't do enough to ensure proper working conditions for those who are responsible for making the devices that they profit off and profit off very, very properly, very nicely, very generously. Bearing in mind, I think something we always need to keep in the back of our mind is this problem goes far beyond just the technology we have in our pockets. We've spent, well not us, but you know, as as a collective, you know, set of countries over here, we've spent years talking about where your clothes are manufactured, you know, where your food comes from, all this like, and things like that. So food, we started to have, you know, things like fair trade and whatnot, uh, a bunch of labels that can be put on stuff that try and 
tell you that it's come from, you know, fair pay and, you know, environmentally sustainable and things like that. And if you watch any Apple event, you'll see that they put up a slide every time that, oh, it is mercury free. It is this free. It is recyclable. It is, you know, basically here's all the recyclable metals. It's made out of this, that and the other. And that's that's great. Apple have been doing that for, for probably two decades, if not more now. I genuinely think we're at the point where there needs to be some kind of system, a, a label, a badge, whatever it is that says this has come from, I don't know what, what you, I don't know what you call it. I don't know what the terminology is, but I guess some kind of, you know, safe working environment, almost a sustainable working environment. I'm not quite sure the terminology you'd use, but the, the same type of a thing that tells us we're buying our food from good places, the workers are getting treated correctly, um, you know, as things are being ripped up, things are being planted, that type of thing. I think that type of thing needs to exist in technology. And I mean, feel free to correct me. It, might, it may well already exist. If it does, then it needs to be used better. Um, it's all well and fine. Companies like Apple, like Amazon, all of them, you know, it's not, not pin on any one of them at the moment. It's all well and fine them going, we've investigated and we've sent a strongly worded email to Foxconn and they, they've told us that they're doing their best. It's like, that's, unfortunately, that's not good enough and it's simply not the truth. Um, we're hearing very different reports coming out of the people who actually work there or the people who go and investigate rather than what the companies are saying. Welcome to the world of public relations. Um, I think companies need to do better. You're 100% right when you say the prices of these things are creeping up. We're lining the pockets of people in the Western world more and more. Um, Tim Cook gets richer or Apple executives get richer, whilst unfortunately there are people working in those factories that, that don't, that are, are scraping by to barely make uh, a wage to live on, let alone having promises broken about bonuses and things. Meanwhile, they're making a device that we're going to buy for far more than some of those people could potentially earn, mm. um, only to go and line the pockets of you know stockholders and executives and whatnot. Like it just feels like such a broken system, and I, I appreciate. Unfortunately, this is the way it's been for a very long time. It goes far beyond technology. You can uh, basically anything that that's made outside of um, the country you purchase it in. You know that's why we make such a big deal out of buying homegrown things and homemade things. And you know the U.S. are rightfully proud when they buy a car that's made in the U.S. or something like that um, because it is something to be proud of. You are you are you are paying workforce and in the US and the UK and Europe and Australia and many countries around the world we have very very strict uh, labor laws um, and it sounds like China has it does have a seemingly fair set of of uh, well, actually, seemingly fair set is probably incorrect. It has certain labor laws, we'll say. I don't know whether they're fair or unfair. I'm imagining uh, imagining the latter, but they do have some, and that's you know one of them saying that 10% or cannot exceed 10% being temporary. But here we are talking about that potentially over 50% of them are temporary. Well, it feels like they need to do a little more enforcement. And does that come down to Apple? Is that a Chinese government issue? You know, where does that lie? What pressure do Apple need to put? Or company Apple, Amazon, Apple, whomever need to, to put on these places because I genuinely think big companies have quite a lot of persuasion power. If Apple suddenly decided that you know what, we can actually go make the iPhone somewhere else. I doubt they can um, but Apple could you know, twist some arms 
whether they want to, you know, whether whether they will, because so much is, rely- is relying on them getting those iPhones every year. I don't know. But I think we should be putting more pressure on these companies to just do a, just do your job and, and do a better job at keeping these people safe. Um, we would like new iPhones, but not at any cost, not at the cost of lives, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. Painful. Thousands in China took to social media platforms, um, particularly Weibo, to share their thoughts about the report. Many believe Apple rather than Foxconn was at fault, while others were critical to Chinese labor laws. There were discussions about the controversial 996 working hour system in China, the idea that workers, predominantly in tech, work 9am to 9pm six days a week. That's shocking. Many users asked why the authorities had not done enough to prevent labor infringements, describing existing labor laws as a joke. Others said ours had simply become the reality. They added the high levels of temporary workers in August were perhaps to be expected, given it's a summer holiday and students are squeezing in some work experience. Coming in the middle of a huge media campaign to promote buying locally rather than relying on US products, others said they would buy, or rather buy, a Huawei phone anyway. Interesting how different regional and country-specific views change sort of according to the, you know, the, the campaign in that country. One thing's for sure, it needs to change and companies need to do more about it. Something we're not going to be quiet about and something I feel needs to change. Not good enough just to say, we're sorry, we'll try better. You need to actually try better to be properly sorry. The thing is though, we will c- collectively, we will continue to buy mm. iPhones, Pixels, whatever, because, you know, it, it really does feel like there isn't much you can do. I appreciate the vote with your wallet and how many things that applies to, but unfortunately, you know, many people are going to buy a new iPhone, probably us included at some point. Um, so I don't know what else we do. I appreciate that some countries don't like it when other countries decide to start meddling in their own affairs, um, which I fully understand. Uh, you know, all countries feel like that. Um, I mean, as you're reading out, it's like, it kind of does sound like people have just got used to it in there, which is just horrible. Um, but yeah, it's that tricky, uh, those diplomatic relationships, isn't it, between trying to meddle in something that in reality is China's problem. Um, but yeah, it's just, it feels like just from a humanitarian point of view, like that 996 thing is just, can you imagine if that tried to become a thing in the UK or the US or anywhere in Europe or exactly. Australia? Like it just... Like there would be riots in the streets. I mean, I'm pretty sure like most of the uh, the countries over here, we're, we're like borderline riots on the streets. I believe nine to five, five days a week anyway. Um, so uh, yeah, it's just it's a different world. And as I say, from a, just a humanitarian point of view, companies need to do better. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. A new study has found that smart TVs are still sending sensitive data to third parties. You have a smart TV, Aaron, don't you? I think all of our TVs in our house are smart TVs now. Do you use the smart function? Um, No, never. They yeah. all have an Apple TV or the very worst, some kind of Chromecast hooked up to them because those smart TV functions are massive piles of garbage. <laughs> they're not only that, they're uh, supposedly also spying on you. With so many households now containing smart TVs, it's no surprise to see an increasing number of privacy concerns over the devices. The fear that these tele- Televisions are monitoring users won't be helped by two recent large-scale analyses, which find sensitive data being sent to large companies such as Netflix and Google, even when the devices are off or idle. This comes from a research from a Northeastern University and Imperial College London. It finds several smart TVs, including those from popular brands Samsung and LG, as well as streaming dongles Roku and Fire TV, were sending data such as location and IP addresses to Netflix and third-party advertisers. So Netflix, mm, 
all right. I mean, if they want to gather who's watching from where, fine. Third-party advertisers, not so much. Other dev- uh, smart devices that include speakers and cameras were sending users' data to third, or sorry, dozens of third parties, including Microsoft and Spotify too. Roku and Fire TV were also found to find uh, fine to send specific user identities to third parties, including Google. So I mean, this I depends think- how how much you care about this kind of thing. But realistically, the principle is: if you don't know what's being done, it shouldn't really be done. Am I right? This is a problem that I don't know. I mean, is this a, is this a problem, Aaron? Location data? Um, yes. I we I think I've told this story on here before. Um, and it's becoming ever increasingly more popular. You can set up a device uh, or a piece of software on a Raspberry Pi called Pi Hole. Epic name, isn't it? <laughs> um, and basically, it acts as a DNS level ad blocker, tracker blocker, mm. analytics blocker, privacy invasion blocker. We'll call it. So essentially, the idea is that you root, you can root a single device, or you can root your entire home network's DNS requests. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, when you type in Google.com, Google.com is not actually the end result. Very much like a, a yellow pages phone book, you look up a phone, or you look up a name, and you'll get a phone number. The internet works in exactly the same way. Um, you look up a name, and an IP address comes back, um, and that's called a DNS request or loosely roundabout for the DNS request. So it tends to be your your router will handle those DNS requests for you. But what you can actually do is you can get your, you can set this device up be a kind of in-between and it can filter out and reject things. Um, one of the things it does is it will filter out ad requests. So very much like the way an ad blocker works on your browser. But now imagine this at a network level scale. So everything could potentially go through it. Um, And I had one set up for about a week, I think, um, like a year or two back. And I think at the time, one of the biggest surprises to me was when our main Samsung smart TV downstairs, when it was off, obviously in standby, middle of the night, it was just sending. I've never seen something send so many requests to analytics services. It was like analytics.samsung.com or something like that. And it was just hammering with requests. TV wasn't even on, but God knows what it was doing. So these things run in the background as well. And all of a sudden, do a little bit of research and it's not an uncommon thing. It wasn't an issue with the TV or anything like that. It actually seemed to be, air quotes, a normal thing. Uh, um, and all of a sudden, we started hearing hearing about this more and more as TVs get, I mean, can I use the word smarter? Our newest in the dining room, we replaced uh, the TV in there with a new Samsung smart TV as well. And it is the slowest pile of garbage in the universe. You actually have to unplug the TV from the wall and plug it back in every so often to restart it. It works like a Windows machine where it gets slower the longer you leave it on. Um, if you le- if you leave it, you know, standby counts as well. If you leave it in standby or turned on for at least a few days, you have to unplug it and plug it in again. Otherwise, like, the menus become unusable and it's just annoying. But more and more of this stuff obviously connected to the internet, more and more devices we've got sending analytics. A few of these smart TVs than in our house, but a few of these smart TVs now come with microphones and cameras and like we're trusting all of a sudden we're hooking things up to the network, probably from the companies that have no experience dealing with security. Last time I checked, like LG and Samsung and Sharp aren't security people. Um, you know, these things often have pretty poor security, it's been shown. And we're just quite happily plugging in them to our network, giving them access to everything, giving them access to the internet. And 
like I say, some of them got cameras and microphones and they're reporting what you're watching, when you're watching it. And it's like, oh, this is, I don't like this. Yeah, because whilst the data isn't overly sensitive, I mean, location data to Netflix kind of makes sense to verify you're watching where you're watching from, correct? Maybe. Um, Does it matter though? I can't see, you know, it, that just feels like a nice to have for analytic, uh, for TV analytics, which is fine. I, I fully appreciate that even terrestrial TV has had analytics for years. It's very much based on, I believe, some guesswork. Um, who's watching what channel roughly what time, but they can't see exactly the household, I don't think. Um, but yeah, just, I don't like it. As soon as location and stuff like that starts to be involved, it, that's like a slippery slope uh, towards Facebook, we'll say. Mm. Facebook are like, on my new privacy scale of 1 to 10, Apple are a 10, whether you like it or not, and Facebook are a 1. That's how my privacy scale works. <laughs> yeah, you're, and, and anywhere in between. Um, well, if you're on the scale, then you want to be in the, the right side of the scale, I guess. Yeah, so I think in the middle, we'll probably say, you know, Google rank fifth on the uh, Aaron Fisher privacy scale. It's technical. It's world renowned. You know, I'm sure you've heard of it. <laughs> Could be a thing. So essentially what we're seeing here, smart TVs, they're smart. They're very smart. They're, they're inquiring about things they shouldn't necessarily inquire about. But onto that, they're also sending that information on to people they probably shouldn't either, which they it makes it more serious. It's it's one thing to inquire about that information. It's another thing to call it home and to use it and to send it somewhere. Not really what you want to hear. And I think it's just indicative that the technology we're using is doing this more and more often. Not just our TVs, but every bit of technology that connect to a router. You're going to have to expect it does it. Shouldn't, but you, sh- you, you should just expect that it does it. Doesn't justify it, doesn't make it any better. But is there any way these companies are ultimately going to stop this? I don't think so. Because once it's sent to one service, say Netflix, how do you know what's happening to it? How do you know what your Netflix are doing with that data? Are they selling it on? I mean, they say they might not, but <laughs> does that mean anything? That's exactly it. It shows how little trust we put in most of these companies anyway. On top of that, the actual technology itself, how do you know that it's not susceptible to a brute force attack or a hack or some sort of malicious intrusion? Some code put in an update, some way of some malicious person contacting the TV through other devices connected to your Wi-Fi network. There are means and ways this information can be accessed. Not to say that there's very much to access, but it's still your data. And if there's a camera in your TV, all of a sudden we become a bit more personal. And I mean, how often do TVs get security updates? Is there Norton for your Samsung TV yet? I don't think so. Yeah, that's going to be... That's when we know we've gone too far, when random things, when our microwaves start having virus protection and whatnot. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the way it's going to have to go in order for this to work. Either that or tighter encryption on the devices. But then again, that causes manufacturers more effort. And when it's the manufacturers sending this data, all of a sudden, I don't think they really want to make it any harder. Just not having this stuff would make the most sense, to be honest. The smart technologies? Yeah. Why why do our TVs need to be connected? Most people probably just plug in some kind of, you know, cheap Amazon or Google or Apple thing or whatever. Um, yeah, maybe there's a lot that don't. I'll probably take that back slightly. But, you know, okay, for everything else that we're talking about, you know, why does our microwave or our fridge or our washing machine, kettle, yada, 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 need internet access? It just feels like we're just cramming the internet into everything and, like, we'll sort security 
security out later. Yeah, cramming the internet unnecessarily is what you mean. Yeah, I mean, there's so it feels like it should exist in your computer and your phone and not in your sofa. <laughs> <laughs> you joke, you joke, but um, smart I reclining. Mean, sofa. A smart recliner with a, a smartphone access could easily be a thing in a few years to come. I mean, complains the person that has smart connected blinds, but you know. It's beyond well, the yeah, exactly, precisely, because it's it's too difficult to get up and close the blinds, and it's too difficult to reach down to that button to recline the chair. That's the stage we've gotten at. That does it for this week's episode. Until next week, you can find more episodes over at munchtech.tv. You can listen on your mobile device, munchtech.tv forward slash mobile, for our ultimate guide to podcasting book. You can find that at munchtech.tv forward slash book and podcastassist.com. Our newsletter, munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter. And of course, last but certainly not least, munchtech.tv forward slash was for our interview with Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, computing pioneer and engineering genius. That does it for 481. Thank you so much for joining us as always. Until next week on 482, have a great, safe and enjoyable one. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.